I'm Dick Summer, and it's time to say goodnight. This is a quiet place to rest your head, a safe place to hide a hurting heart, a gentle place to fall. We just call this place goodnight. You know how an old song sometimes gets stuck in your head for no particular reason you can think of, and then later on you realize you really had something going on in your mind that had to do with the title of the song. It's fascinating. As a matter of fact, it's almost spooky in a way. But once upon a time, there was a song called Little Things Mean a Lot. It was a long time ago, and it was, it was running through my head as I was sitting here in the big, comfortable black leather papa chair in my living room. And I just realized that the reason it was there is probably I was thinking about a story out of Africa. And I was thinking about it a lot for the past couple of days. And it's a story about a really little thing that means a lot, at least to me. I like this. It's really quiet right now. It is just the light of one small lamp going on in this room. It's, it's time of night when your, your senses just kind of zoom in on the smallest, littlest things. Things that you'd otherwise just ignore. Like the painting over the couch over there. It's, it's not exactly straight. It's a little off. Something must have just fallen off a tree outside because it made a little small sound when it hit the wood on the back deck. My chin whiskers make little dents in my palm while I'm talking to you. And I can actually get a little whiff of the crayons that I liberated from Applebee's last night. A red, a blue, and a green. They're sitting on the lamp right next to me right now. I like the feel and smell of crayons. They give them to kids at Applebee's to keep them quiet so Daddy can ply Mommy with some adult beverages in peace. Crayons have a, a kid smell about them, like chalk has, and, and sliced apples, and peanut butter. I like being a kid. I've always liked being a kid. And I've always liked apples and peanut butter, and the crunchy kind especially, and strawberry jam and oatmeal with raisins. And that's why I eat them every day, because I am a Louie Louie generation grown-up, so I can eat like a kid if I want to. It... You, you learn the difference between a lie and what's not quite a lie when you're a kid. The dog ate my homework. That's a lie. I wasn't feeling good. Well, that might not be quite a lie. When I grab the crayons at Applebee's, I always tell the waiter there for my little guys, which is not quite a lie. I sometimes call my fingers and my eyebrows my little guys. And although I am a suave, distinguished, charming, George Clooney look-alike, Louie Louie generation gentleman, my little guys sometimes get me into trouble. It's, it's just not quite my fault. I mean, after all, is it completely my fault what my little guys do while that adult person who lives in the back of my head isn't watching? He is supposed to be in charge. I call him Mr. Farfanugan. Farf, for short. My lady wonder wench doesn't always agree that it's not my fault. It's 
especially when she says, my fingertips are cold. But my little guys sometimes cause me big problems. See, because I've always wanted to say the kind of thing the big bopper used to say to the girls. He used to say, hello, baby. <laughs> I, I can't get away with that. Because when I'm talking to Wonder Wench, or any pretty girl for that matter, uh, Mr. Farfignugan, you know, the adult in the back of my head, whose only job in life is keeping my little things under control for me, but he blows it. He always runs up front to see what she looks like. And while he's gone, my eyebrows flip up and down a couple of times, which makes my lady Wonder Wench giggle instead of looking at me adoringly, like Bergman looked at Bogart in Casablanca. That is the biggest difference between guys like Bogart and George Clooney and me. The adults in the back of their heads keep their little guys under control, and mine doesn't. Farf strikes out way too often. The Crayola Crayon Factory, by the way, isn't very far from, from right here in my house. I did the voiceovers for their television commercials for a while. For a while, I was Crayola Man. And that was an interesting experience. Uh, I, I showed up at the recording session for the commercial, and I said, where's the script? And the director said, just, just go in the studio and say Crayola Crayons a few times. And I figured they were doing a sound check, so I, I went in and I said, you know, Crayola Crayons a few times. And the director said, that's a wrap. I said, what's a wrap? He said, that's all we need. It's just a tag. A tag is a, a short statement that they put at the end of a commercial. A lot of times it's for legal. Sometimes it's not, but it's just a little short thing anyway. Well, they put that tag on five national television commercials and ran them for three years. And I got paid every time one ran. God bless Crayola Crayons. They make about three billion crayons a year at Crayola. So kids all over the world can draw stuff for us to put up on our refrigerators. And that's been going on since the 1930s. So you figure all of today's big shots must have played with Crayola crayons when they were kids. Bush, the Pope, the Ayatollah, Muqtada, whatever his name is, you know, even that nutcase in Iran whose name I can't pronounce, all of them did it. Now, can't you just see them as little kids sticking their tongues out and scribbling like mad, you know, and, and concentrating on their coloring books and then running over to their mommies, happy and excited about drawing a tree that you can kind of recognize. And I think it beats what they're up to these days. Maybe we should have a, a Crayola rocket. See, and then when things get tense, we would launch it with a, with a payload of millions of crayons, boxes of crayons. And the thing would explode high up in the air, and these millions of crayon boxes would float down under little parachutes. And everybody would chuck their guns and, and run out and grab some crayons, you know, and they'd stick their tongues out and start scribbling. <laughs> All right. I know it's childish, but come on, give Crayola Man a little giggle, because giggles are good. Except, of course, when uh, caused by out-of-control eyebrows or, or fingers that some beautiful woman says are way too cold. Dick's Details, 
bunch of completely unimportant things that you can stuff in one ear so you can squeeze the important things that are keeping you awake out the other ear and you can nod off comfortably to sleep. In Boise, Idaho's 1998 mayoral election, Mr. Potato Head got four write-in votes. You know, there is such a temptation to suggest a similar voting pattern for you right now, but don't. You know, don't waste your vote. Too many people have given up way too much for us to give it away. The board game Parcheesi was invented in the 1500s by the ultimate male chauvinist pig, Akbar the Great of India. It was played in a palace courtyard with young women as the game pawns. And what Akbar did with the young women once he got them all home is not part of how the present game is played. Only 49% of American women say they like how they look in the nude. Now, how do we know this? How do we know this? There has to be a, a polling company someplace who hires people to go up to women at a mall and say, <clears throat> pardon me, miss, how do you look naked? <laughs> Come on. I guess some jobs are simply more interesting than others. Dick's Details. They take your mind off your mind. This is a little tough. A nice guy by the name of Jim is one of our proudest podcast participants. And Jim lost his mom very recently, and he asked if I would mention her in this podcast. This podcast is mostly about fun, you know, and, and funerals are not exactly fun. Real friends go to funerals anyway, although they would rather be anyplace else. And I was talking about being sensitive to very small things a while ago. There are lots of small things that are very sensitive at a funeral. Who cried? Who didn't cry? Who cried but didn't let anybody see the tears? When is she going to cry? What's an ex-husband doing here? The worst little thing is what you say to somebody who's lost somebody they've loved. I mean, there's nothing you can say except I'm sorry. The great Woody Allen says the thing he most wants to hear at his own funeral is, Look, he just moved. Now, this is a story from the Night Connection's personal audio CD. It's about something that people sometimes suspect is going on at a funeral. But now they'll, they'll never know for sure. It's a story called A Real Friend. Hardly anybody understands you. You're a holdout, and you sure as hell aren't frigid. You believe that the only way to live a real life is by living with people and things that are real. Sounds simple, doesn't it? But it's not. Everything around you seems to be slipping into some kind of mechanical, virtual reality. A man came into your life once and you taught each other the difference between what's real and what's make-believe. He wasn't terribly smart or handsome or rich. He was just real. A real man with a real life and a real smile and a real friend you. It's not easy being a real friend. It's a lot like making love. You're always discovering hidden places, pulling apart, talking, hiding something, coming together, laughing, sometimes crying, getting hurt often, and on some rare moments, touching. And if you're lucky, once in your life, trusting enough to let yourself be touched by your friend in places that you wouldn't dare to touch yourself. You both believe that making love is never safe. 
nor is it always passionate, but it is always much more than just a way to pass time. It doesn't have to be for always, but it always needs to be real and naked. Partners who are safely condomed, carefully polite, and looking for long-term relationships. You two used to laugh about. You called them latex lovers. There are real people and real things all around you tonight. You're sitting in a massive mahogany-paneled room filled with real leather furniture, brass gooseneck lamps, glass-fronted mahogany bookcases full of books with gold-stamped titles. The floor is polished hardwood covered with a huge, intricately woven oriental rug. Fireplaces at least four tree trunks wide with burnished brass andirons. It's his father's living room, a real family's room for living and laughing and loving. A real family is together, saying a final goodbye. His was a short life, as lives go these days, but every moment of it was real, and you and he touched it every day. But you only touched each other once, and that was with your eyes. Sometimes that's how it goes between real friends. He was a real man with a real life and real kids and a real wife. And you were his real friend. And hers. Hardly anybody understands that anymore. That's a story called A Real Friend. It's from the Night Connections personal audio CD. If you like it, you can just keep this podcast. Or if you want a fresh copy, just go back to DickSummer.com and download it from the CD Baby icon. Whatever works for you. You know, there are lots of ordinary little things that you have to deal with in this life. But I don't think love is one of them. Love's not little and it's not ordinary. Falling in love is one of the the biggest, riskiest things that you can ever do. The only thing that's riskier, I think, is is not taking the risk to fall in love at all, because that'll flatten you. Personal opinion. I don't think anybody who is deeply in love can be a really bad guy. I mean, he can do things he shouldn't do. But I think if you really love somebody, that feeling is so big that it just it, it squeezes the smaller things like hate and and greed and and, and envy right out of your life especially envy i really love my lady wonder wench and i don't envy anybody in this world and i don't think the the really bad guys understand that there was a story on the bbc a few days ago that that started me thinking about little things that mean a lot really grabbed me by the throat I'm a little shaky on the details because it went by so fast I didn't have time to take notes. But it was about some guy in Africa. Might have been in Darfur. I don't know. But it it seems a, a bunch of bad guys attacked a village and killed everyone there except for this one guy. And he had run off and had made a successful escape. But while everybody was running in the confusion and everything, his wife tripped and fell and the bad guys killed her. And when her husband figured out what had happened... He went back to find her. He knew she was dead, but he couldn't leave her without saying goodbye. The bad guys were amazed. In fact, they didn't kill him because they figured he must be some kind of a holy man. They couldn't believe it. He had it made. 
The bad guys had no idea why he would go back to face his own certain death. Because they couldn't understand that, that one little thing. He just loved her. He wanted to hold her in his arms just one more time. He needed to cry more than he needed to live. Maybe the head bad guy finally noticed something very small and very powerful and very holy. I mean, how big is a tear? Time to tuck you in now. I'm Dick Summer, and I hope you'll come back soon for a gentle place to fall. Quiet place to rest your head. Safe place to hide a hurting heart. Nice and easy now. Couple of deep breaths. Come on. There you go. Just one more. That's better. All the way to sleep. All the way to sleep. Good night.